Hello. Good morning. Okay, we are doing the final part of this series on what is the gospel. And um, I do hope that it's been quite helpful. Biggest question I, I think maybe when I first asked this a few weeks ago, it would have been easy for, for us to answer it. Um, but I hope that as we've gone through and progressed through the weeks, you would um, start to think a little bit outside of the box of what we've maybe traditionally known as what is the gospel. So let's just recap for the last two weeks quickly. Um, the question I asked is what is the gospel? A statement I made is that the gospel is not that Jesus died for your sins. However, that is part of the gospel. And as we learned last week, that fits into the plan of salvation. And But we've made the plan of salvation message predominantly what the gospel is. The reason for that is because we've created a uh, salvation culture, uh, which means that most of evangelism has been focused around um, getting people to make a decision, more, more so people being... Um, the question of who's in and who's out. That's pretty much where the gospel has, in a sense, climaxed in Western society and also, I believe, in third world countries when, when Western people go and preach there. Uh, we've predominantly focused it around man fell, Jesus came, paid for your sins. I then made a, a, a stunning statement which went, the gospel is actually not about you. And um, although it does incorporate you, so there's a, there's a big question that needs to be answered, and I'm going to answer it right now before I go into the final part, which is the method of persuasion, a.k.a. evangelism. Um, the question is this, what is the gospel? The answer is simply, it's Jesus. The gospel means good news. You're not the good news. You're not. The good news is him, is Jesus. But, but the good news is not just that Jesus died for you. The good news is Jesus in all of who he is. It encompasses the entirety of Christ. He, he was before, we know that, in the beginning was the word. That's clear. That's the beginning of one of the four gospels, the four counts of the gospel, should I say. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And then it speaks about that word manifesting itself to us, right? To come into a fallen world, to do what we were supposed to do in the beginning, act redemptively towards mankind in bringing God's kingdom in a redemptive manner. Through that process of him revealing what that looked like by bringing the kingdom, because who knows that the kingdom age began when Jesus came. The good news began when Jesus arrived. The good news didn't come after Jesus died or when he died. The good news came when he arrived. Yeah, the angels proclaimed him coming. You know, hark the herald angels sing. Yeah, we're excited about it. Started with his birth. So we spoke about a gospel culture, which we're not going to get too much into now, but the four major themes of the Bible, which is the story of the Bible, which incorporates Israel's story. We understand, as I, as I spoke, that, that Adam, and, Adam and Eve were created, mankind were created um, as image bearers of God to act redemptively towards the earth in bringing God's glory. They lived in a, in, in a place called Eden in a garden. It wasn't the garden of Eden, it was the garden in Eden. If you look at the, the true meaning of the text, they were supposed to then, as they walked with God in the presence of God, eating from the fruit of the trees, one of those trees was the tree of life, 
So they could have eaten from the tree of life. They chose not to do so through deception and disobedience, which was a form of um, disbelief. And through that, this thing called sin entered into the world through mankind. Okay, through that, God then decided to choose a man. His name was Abraham. God promised him, he said, through you, all nations shall be blessed, right? And, and so he chose a man, and through that man, he chose a nation. That nation failed to do what they were supposed to do in acting redemptively towards mankind. And so then God decided that he would send his own son, Jesus, to come and to do that um, in, in revealing to us what it looks like when a, when, a, when a human being walks in right relationship with God as a son. Or daughter amen through that process we, we need to understand that the story of Jesus doesn't make sense if if we don't understand the story of the Bible the whole process of it that's why in the presentation of the gospel we can't just start with man sinned it, it doesn't make sense Jesus coming can only be understood in the whole concept of the Bible story through that we have the plan of salvation. You cannot understand Jesus, so you cannot understand the plan of salvation if you don't understand Jesus, who he is, why he came. Then we spoke about that what the plan of salvation was is that God decided, you know, that his own son's blood would, would, would pay for what we ourselves could not. And, and so I spoke about the cross and I said that the cross is a pivotal point in the history of mankind. And an incredibly in, uh, amazing event, one of the most important events, but, but it is not the most important event. The most important event was Jesus. Did you get on saying? Okay, the most important event is Jesus. The cross is a hinge point. It's a, it's a, it's, we cannot present the gospel, who is Jesus, and the entirety of the gospel if we leave out the plan of salvation, which is, this is what God chose. He chose that Jesus would die. We've made the cross, however, central to the message, but it's not. Jesus is central to the message. And I'll show you why we get a bit funny about it, because what happens if the, the chosen way of crucifixion in the day by the Romans, because it was pretty common, that's what they did to everyone, they, they crucified them on crosses. Jesus wasn't the first, nor the only, nor the last person to die on the cross. That was the chosen method. If Jesus, if the chosen method was to hang people, we would be singing, oh, the wonderful noose. Oh, the wonderful noose bids me come and hang that truly I may find life or have a song goes. The, the purpose is not the, 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 the not, it was not the chosen method of killing people. It was the one who died on your behalf. It's Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to get to. We have made it about an event and a specific item of choice by an empire that was ruling at the time. But it is not. However, that does not end there. We have to go beyond the cross. We don't move away from the cross, but we have to proceed beyond it. We have to. If you do not, we stay immature as Christians, sucking on milk. And Paul himself says that we are not to live on milk because the mature learn how to eat meat. Interesting for all those who are vegetarians. <laughs> or so wish to be. <laughs> what did you say? Veganism is of the devil. Is that what you just said? No. Some might say, no. However, we can't live 
sucking on milk. We have to progress into maturity. If you, if you remain around, uh, if you keep Christians around being members or the decided only, then what it is is you actually keep just feeding them milk. And, and, and disciples go, are, are to progress beyond. I spoke last week about the fact that, that the, the, the very fact that Jesus died on your behalf and you accept that, what he did in order to be saved, and God then declares you as justified, that, doesn't automatic, that does not automatically make you kind, loving, tender-hearted. Those, those attributes come as you follow Jesus. So you become a disciple, a, a student of, of Jesus. Okay? So what we're going to talk about today, because I don't want to go back and recap, is we're going to now read through a lot of Scripture um, out of the book of Acts. So go to Acts 1 to start with. And this is now the final crux of it, and it's going to become very clear to you, because what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, and I said it last week as well, when you understand the gospel, it makes the salvation message, the plan of salvation, more robust when you understand the full gospel message. But if you limit the gospel message to just the event of the cross, you, you, you will actually do a disservice to the gospel. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's just look at Acts chapter one. We're talking about the method of persuasion, aka evangelism, how we present, how we understand what the gospel is and how it's presented. So let's just start with Acts chapter one. Now, book of Acts, everyone goes, oh, the Acts of the Apostles. Others that are more, you know, think they're more in tune with Jesus go, you know, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's, I believe it's actually the Acts of the risen Lord Jesus. And I know that because the first statement that, that Luke says, yeah, says in, in my first book, O Theophilus, that name alone means that he was Greek. Um, he was writing to someone who was Greek. Um, in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. What an interesting statement to say. He doesn't say I dealt with all that Jesus began, that, that, that Jesus did and taught. He doesn't speak about it in past tense. He, says, I, I, he speaks about what he began to do and teach. Read between the lines. What I'm about to tell you is what he continued to do and teach. He just did it through his people. You and me. That make sense? Until the day when he was taken up. I love that. He starts to immediately give... Um, sort of justification to, to what, we, what the whole message is about. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Listen to this. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. What, what are, you know, you've got 40 days left before you're going to be whisked up into heaven. What, you're going to, a, a man on his deathbed is going to tell you the most important things in life. That's what's going to happen. He's going to give you the best bits of, of knowledge that he can leave. That he was going to be removed from the earth, never to see his disciples face to face again. And he spends those 40 days talking to them about the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, I'm glad you're excited about it, just like I am. Remember what I said the one time? Cemeteries are quiet. Maternity wards are loud, noisy, messy, and chaotic. However, one hell is dead and the other is alive. So, let's go through a few texts. Acts chapter 2. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. The Holy Spirit comes, there's chaos. The people in the city come running to this one location. They ask, What the hell's going on here? 
And Peter stands up, and this is his sermon. This is one of the first sermons, well, actually, it is not one of the, it is the first sermon we see one of the apostles who followed Jesus teach. And he says this, men of Israel, hear these words. Listen to these words. Doesn't go hear me, but hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your presence as you yourselves know. So now he's bringing them into this person, Jesus' life, declaring him as a man that God attested by revealing his kingdom power through him. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. I love that because what he's doing is he's going, none of this happened outside of God's authority. You crucified and you killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and now he goes into an Old Testament scripture. He goes, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will, deal with, sorry, will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor will you let your Holy One see corruption or decay, meaning that his fleshly body would not decay in the earth. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and he was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. Now remember what I said, Christ and Messiah is the same word. It means anointed king. Okay? I said last week, he was not Jesus Christ, the son of Joseph and Mary Christ. We, we read the word Christ very blasé because it's so common to us in our language. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And so we lose the understanding of what it meant when you proclaimed Christ. To a Jew, to proclaim a Messiah meant he proclaimed a king. If you proclaim a king under another governmental authority under Rome, which had a king who was called a Caesar, you were coming in a place of uh, revolt. Okay? It was a very dangerous thing to do. See, that's why I'm, I think that in Western Christianity, so much of the language and the understanding has been watered down. So it doesn't hold the power and authority that we understand that had in those days. Anyway, he foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. So David was prophesying about what? The resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption or decay. This Jesus, this Jesus, God raised up, and of that, of what? Of the fact that he was raised up, we are witnesses. Just have a look here. It says it right there. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that, we are witnesses. Being therefore, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. This is now kingdom language straight away. This is dangerous language by any means. In, a, in, a, in the community in which they're living. It's not dangerous in our community. It isn't, but it's going to become that way. Possibly not unto death, but unto, you know, you, you, get, you get the forked tongue and you get the Facebook messages and you get the anti-everything to do with God messages on Facebook. That's where the stones come from now. But listen to this. Just this Jesus, God raised up, of that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit... 
He has poured out this that you yourselves are now seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. This is all kingdom language. Let all the house of Israel know, sorry, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah. What, a, what an incredible declaration. This Jesus whom you crucified. Oh, hold on a second. This is, you see where his language is coming from? What is he talking about? He's going, this man Jesus, this human being Jesus, who came out of a town called Nazareth, God attested to this man as being his chosen one by the signs, wonders, and miracles you saw him perform in your midst. You all saw it. You handed him over and he was crucified. However, God has raised him back to life again. And not only has he raised him, but he's actually exalted him to the right hand of the throne, making him the Messiah. And if he is the Messiah, it means that if you want to come into his kingdom, you need to bow your knee before him as the exalted king and no longer live under the rulership of Herod and under the rulership of Caesar. This will get you killed in Jerusalem in those days. Now, when they heard this, listen to this. When they heard that this man, Jesus, was actually the Messiah who they had rejected, because remember, we can sit back and often think about this. We read the scriptures and we look at the Pharisees and the Jews of the day and we have such judgment of them. How can they do that? How could they say that? Let me tell you right now. In Western Australia, Western, sorry, in, in, not Western Australia, to Perth, in Western society, which Australia is part of. Let me tell you, if we started hearing messages like this, I guarantee you 95% of us would actually start going, who the heck does this person think he is? This guy needs to go. He needs to be removed. But we read it now as born-again Christians down the line, and it's easy for us to judge the Pharisees. Most of us, probably me included, would have said, that guy's a heretic. And we probably would have celebrated his death, even though he was dying for us. When they heard this, so suddenly something happens now. The Holy Spirit's come. They hear this message of Jesus who was, came as a man. This Jesus died. Not only did he die, but he's actually been raised back to life. They'd seen many people die. It was not an issue. And, and Paul, and, sorry, Peter points it out here by going, hey, take a look at this. David's bones are in the tomb. But this man, Jesus, his bones are not there, which makes him the Messiah. It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I love it. What shall we do now? We've now actually realized something's happened. This man, Jesus, these guys are speaking with such gusto. We're believing in our hearts that this man, Jesus, actually was raised back to life again. He is the Messiah. What must we do? And Peter, uh, Peter's response is, he says, repent. Metanoia, turn your mind away from what you once thought. What did you once think? That he was an absolute lunatic. Turn your minds and now believe what? That he is the, the risen Messiah. Not only is he the risen Messiah, he's the Messiah who sits on a throne. Remember, Jesus didn't just raise back to life, he was also ascended to heaven. He is also, as Peter's saying, seated at the right hand of God, which is when in, 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 in understanding, see, we don't have kings so we, and queens, so we don't understand this language. We have parliaments, and when we don't like them, we just vote them out. That's how it works in our society. We don't like you because you take money from us and do all these things. So what we'll do is we'll just vote you out to the next person. If we don't like them, we'll vote them out. And generally three months after they've been voted in, we don't like them anyway, even though we voted them in. It's called tall poppy syndrome. It needs to end. But that's what we do. But in a kingdom society, it doesn't. So now they've got an issue. Oh my goodness, this man is actually seated at the right hand of the Father. How are we witnessing that to be true? Because we've just seen the, what he promised he would give the Holy Spirit come. 
See, now there was evidence of the kingdom. Repent, change your mind, and be baptized, every one of you. We won't get into that now because it's a bit controversial, the word baptized. Um, In the name of Jesus, into the nature and the character of Jesus. For the forgiveness, now he brings in the plan of salvation. For the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive. I love how he just, it's just, he breezes through that. Repent, change your mind. Understand who he is for the forgiveness of your sin, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to their number, about 3,000. Now, let's go to the next one. Go to Acts chapter 3. Verse 11, while he comes, now Peter and, Peter and um, John see this man at the um, gate called Beautiful gets healed, right? So now we see a demonstration of, of, of this kingdom. We now see the next act after Jesus has died, raised back to life, been ascended to heaven. We now see a demonstration that they would have seen in Jesus and only in Jesus. A man gets healed. A demonstration of, of a kingdom manifesting. See, there's a massive thing here. The kingdom of heaven because there is a king, is now actually starting to manifest. Now, they would understand what that looks like because when the Romans started sweeping through their land, because remember, they were living happily, then suddenly this conquest of Rome came through and started to take over. And all that started happening is they began to watch their society change to look more like the Roman society. This was done through people called apostles who would be sent out after the army had conquered and they would go in there and they would school people on the culture of Rome, so that when so that it became a part of the Roman Empire. What do you think your job is to do? It's to sweep through all of earth and bring about the reality of another kingdom, acting redemptively. So while he clung to Peter and John, verse 11, so now this guy's holding on to them, they've now dragged them into uh, They've actually now come into the temple courts. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico that was called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He said to them, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, I love how you see, he takes it right back to the man. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he now takes it back to the person who was chosen and those who are to follow, the people. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of your fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and the righteous one, kingdom language. You denied the Messiah. The holy, the Jews understand the holy and righteous one is the Messiah. You denied the holy and righteous one and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Listen to the language. You see where the victory comes in. (laughs) The victory comes in, not in the fact that you killed this man, but the victory comes in when you raised, when God raised the man up. He died for your sin. Let me just say that right there and then. There's, there's no denying it. And, and I've spoken to Ben and in a few weeks' time, we're actually going to do a series on the finished work of the cross, two weeks. 
where we'll go through all of the events that took place at the cross that will bring liberation to you because it's called the finished work of the cross. It's finished. Jesus will not die again and again and again and again. It is a done deal. And when you metanoia, then it changes everything. So God raised him from the dead. Listen to this. I want to read that part again. But you denied the holy and the righteous one and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. What were they witnessing to? Just throw that out there. We, we, and, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see. See, when you say by faith in his name, you mean and by faith in the authority of Jesus. See, it's all kingdom language. Has this man made strong whom you see and you know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sin may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come, this is redemptive language, and from the, and, sorry, and refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive, so he's now up there, until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, these kingdom days. You are the sons of the prophets and you are sons of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Do you understand how he's presented the gospel? It wasn't just about, hey, this man died for your sin. He's speaking about the redemption nature of Jesus, the messiahship of Jesus, and incorporated into that message, he has spoken about the plan of salvation, which we heard about last week. Hey, this is how you come in. You come into this kingdom. You become a part of this kingdom, a citizen of it. You come back to being a son or daughter of God by receiving the fact that the blood of the anointed one has washed you. Absolutely. However, there's something far greater than this. He is raised back to life and he is seated on the throne, which means he can never die again. That's amazing. That's, that is very powerful language. So go down to chapter four. Now, Peter and John are standing before the council. And it says in verse eight, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus the Messiah of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead. By him, this man is now standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. See, this is what they would have understand as the Messiah. They would have understand this is the, you see, we don't get the language why he says that. You know, the stone, the builders rejected. These Jewish men standing there would have gone, that's Messiah language. We, when the Messiah who was prophesied about, this is the language that ties us to knowing that that's the Messiah. 
Okay, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the stone, the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's quite simple. He is not. His whole message and all the messages, as we read, are not based around the, the event of Jesus' death. They are based around who Jesus was, prophesied about in their scriptures, about the fact that he came and was revealed as the anointed one by God's evidence through him, through signs, wonders, and miracles, by the fact that he, was die, that he did die on behalf of you, but more so that he was raised back to life and is now seated as the eternal king on the throne. I got the words up there. It's good. This is moving into modern age. Now, let's keep going. I told you I'm going to read a few scriptures. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now, the full number of those who had believed were of one heart, one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Wow. And great grace was upon them all. It's incredible. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Let's keep going. Acts chapter 5, verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you came on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand, Leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. How's that? This is incredible. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Let me read that again. The God of our fathers raised Jesus. Here's your first thing. The God of our fathers has raised him who you killed. God exalted him. Now he's brought him up and put him at the right hand as leader. Now, now, if he's come up at the right hand of God as Messiah and Savior to give repentance and forgiveness of sin. See, if Jesus was not the Messiah, you wouldn't be forgiven of your sin. You wouldn't. Do you understand why the importance of the proclamation of him being the Messiah is the gospel? And incorporated into that, the fact that he is the Messiah means that he was able to forgive you of your sin because he died on your behalf. But he wasn't left there because if he was left there, none of us would be forgiven of our sin. Because he would have been just a man. But because he was the Messiah, the power of the cross is so much more powerful. That event, the blood of the Son of Man, given so that all of mankind. And we see Paul in, 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 in some of his letters just clarifies what that looks like. So let's keep going. Verse 42 of the same chapter. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the <laughs> Messiah, Christ. What did, they, what did they preach? And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching the cross. I know that's a bit... I know that people... Oh, jeez, oh, Brad. I know, when I'm, I know I'm stepping on a lot of holy cows. But, but just listen carefully to the text. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching, that, and preaching Jesus as the Messiah. 
did their message incorporate what Jesus did by dying for mankind? Yes. Was that the main point? No. What was the main point? The good news is Jesus, the Messiah. Whenever you see the word Jesus Christ, it actually is to be interpreted Jesus the Messiah. We then go on to see Stephen's speech, which I won't read through, but because we, we spoke and we touched on it in the um, the message, sorry, the, the Bible story. Let's keep going. We're going to get through some more scriptures. Right. Now we're going to go to chapter 8 of, of Acts. We know that everyone's been, uh, you know, St- Stephen dies. Um, this is where now Paul, Saul, we name Paul, comes into the equation. But we have a look here, and the church is now scattered from Jerusalem because I think they were spending so much time there, they hadn't done the next phase. You know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, and in Judea and then, you know, and Samaria and the outer ends of the earth. They, they had become, you know, the mega church in Jerusalem. <laughs> They hadn't gone further. So, so God uses a persecution to go, well, we're just going to get this message about my son, the Messiah, out there. So listen to this. This is now the first cross-cultural evangelism. Are you ready for it? Chapter 8. I'm, I'm reading from the ESV. Chapter 8, verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, the true thing there is actually Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So here we go. Give me a second. You now have a man who is transitioning across a cultural barrier. They would not have understood, they would not have understood the Jewish law system. They would have not understood Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they would not have understood any of the kings of Israel and how everything was there, nor the language of the prophets who were supposed to be talking about the Messiah coming. These guys had no reference. It's like somebody arriving here, we've had no reference for it, and they go, I want to just tell you, you know, you know, there was Moses. Who the hell's Moses? You know, and through him came the law through Yahweh. Who's Yahweh? Who, who, you know what I mean? So he's now walking into Samaria, also under Roman rule, by the way. Now, they didn't just bypass Samaria. It was like next door to them. They were just sweeping across society, taking it over. So he goes in there, and his proclamation is this. There is a king, and his name is Jesus. And in him is all authority. Now, watch what happens. So I want to just show you the word proclaim there. Some of your Bibles might say the word preach. Am I right? So I'll, re- I'll just quickly read from the King James Version. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ unto them. So the word preached there is this word here, keruso. It's a, it's a Greek word called keruso, and it says this, to be a herald, to officiate as a herald, to proclaim after the manner of a herald, always with the suggestion of formality, gravity, and an authority which must be listened to and obeyed. That's the word. I didn't make it up. It's right there. Okay? So he goes down, and now he preaches to them about the Messiah, this king. And the crowds, with one accord, paid close attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and they saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. There was much joy in the city. So this is what's going on here. Put yourself back. Along comes a herald. Um, Julius is now Caesar of Rome. His 
pictures go up, his coins start coming up with his name on it, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone is hearing about Julius the Caesar, Julius the king, and, and we've got to obey because Julius says, and Julius Caesar says this, and Julius Caesar says that, and now suddenly the whole of society has changed because he's overthrown another king, maybe Augustus, who then also, he got overthrown, and so his name, his face wouldn't be on the coins anymore. All of a sudden, before their eyes, they come in and they bring all these boxes, give us all the coins that had the previous Caesar's face on. They must go in there, they get melted down and burnt, and they start printing out new coins. That's how they did it. They just started flushing out all of the old kingdom. Starting to make sense now? So he comes in, yeah, and he goes, hey, in the court, I want to tell you, Jesus, the Messiah, he is the king above all kings. This is what kind of language they would have used. He's the one who sits enthroned above. He is the mighty king. Now, with him making a declaration, all of a sudden, they start to physically see something changing. People start shrieking and screaming, and evil spirits start coming out of people, and everyone's going, what on earth is going on here? Wouldn't you? And people start getting healed. Why? Because as he's proclaiming a king, he's seen the manifestation of that kingdom. Then we see Simon the magician come in. Now this says, and they paid attention to Simon from verse 11. They paid attention to Simon because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news or the gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. You see, he's brought nothing of the old law. These guys had no reference for any of that stuff. All they're hearing is there's a king, there's a king, Jesus the Messiah. They were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon, this guy who had been, you know, a magician, he got baptized because he saw the signs and the miracles. So now he becomes a believer because he's watching the manifestation of this kingdom. Now, let's go down to the same chapter, verse 25. So we see that some apostles come down. They start to talk. How's that? They, they come with a little bit more weight um, to bring a little bit more understanding because they had actually walked with Jesus. So they were able to come and witness to the fact that what Philip, this guy, had come and said was actually true. That's what would have happened. They were going, yes, we, we walked with Jesus. We were witnesses of his resurrection. He actually presented himself to us and many others alive. And then we watched him get taken up in the clouds. So then it says this on verse 25. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, proclaiming the good news to many villages in Samaria. We're just looking at evangelism 101 in the early church. Verse 20, 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. He now meets this guy. Okay, he meets this, uh, uh, what's it called, this Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, and, he's, and the guy's reading a scripture about, um, about Jesus, but it's in the Old Testament. Now this Ethiopian eunuch was a Jew. He wasn't uh, Israeli, but he was a Jew, okay? It says, then Philip opened mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Wow. Well, what's the good news? Jesus. Then the guy goes, hey, if there's some water, let me be baptized. Let's keep going. Verse, sorry, chapter 9, verse 20. Oh, let's yeah, just go through halfway through 19. So Paul's now um, in a synagogue. He says, for some days he was with them at Damascus, sorry, the disciples of Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is the Son of God. This is now, again, when, 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 when Paul is proclaiming Jesus, he's proclaiming that he is the Son of God, meaning he is the Messiah. Let's keep going. 
chapter 10, verse 34. So now Peter starts preaching. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality because he's watching, Peter's now seeing Gentiles get filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him, you see, this is kingdom language again. You, you learned how to fear a king. You don't fear a dead man. You fear a king because he can bring about an authoritative change and proclaim to you either life or death. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why they lived in fear of Rome and they, and they lived in fear of Herod. And now he's saying, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus the Messiah, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Jerusalem, after the baptism of John, sorry, after the baptism that John proclaimed. So he doesn't start at the cross, he starts when Jesus gets baptized, which is a baptism of repentance, a baptism of metanoia, changing of your mind, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. This is now saying when, when God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit is saying when God anointed Jesus, he became Messiah. With the Holy Spirit, and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and who drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now remember, when you talk about eating and drinking, it's very understanding of the festivals of Israel. They understand that. The, the, you know, the kingdom is eating and drinking in celebration. You know what I'm saying? It's, when, you speak about, when you speak about eating and drinking, it's, it's an invitation into somebody's world. It's a, it's a close, you don't invite someone into your home for a feed just to blase. If someone's invited into your home, it means that you're actually accepting him. So, so him coming and eating and drinking with them is his acceptance of them into his kingdom. That make sense? So not all, sorry, not to all the people, but also to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appoint, he is the one appointed by God. What did Jesus ask him to testify to? That he was appointed by God, the Messiah. That's what Jesus himself asked them to do. That's what, that's what um, he's saying here. And he commanded us, his actual command to us was to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. That's kingdom language. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him as the Messiah receives forgiveness of sin through his nature, his name. Because he is the one that's able to absolve. The king could extend the, what is it called, scepter. If he extended the scepter towards you for you to kiss the scepter, then if you kissed the scepter, then it was extending mercy towards you, you wouldn't be put to death. He, only a king could do that. Same chapter, which is 11, verse 19, the church in Antioch. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and um, Cyprus, 
and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord. Now, when they use the word Lord, that word there is the word um, Elohim. It, it means the exalted one, Jesus. They, they're now preaching about this exalted one, Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and great numbers who believed turned to the Lord. Keep going. I'm just... Told you we read a lot. Okay, I'm going to read this long portion. You ready for it? Quarter past. Did I finish a quarter past? I think after this one, there might be more than enough um, evidence and you can just continue to read on and on and on. But I think I'm getting my point across quite comfortably. So let's just read this. Chapter 13. It's a long portion. Follow me through it. Um, verse 13. This is Paul and Barnabas at Antioch in Pisidia. Now Paul and his con sailed from Paphos and they came to Perga in Pamphylia. That's quite a few peas in there. A mouthful of peas. <laughs> and John left them and he returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and they sat down. And after the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and he motioned with his hand and he said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers. Now, now, now this is going to culminate the whole lot, right? He chose our fathers and he made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with, with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. He's starting to speak about salvation here. About, and for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance, kingdom. Okay? When you listen, listen, listen to the kingdom language. And this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, the, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin. For 40 years, he was their king. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said that I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who would do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before this coming, John, see how, see how he's closed. Remember I said last, last uh, week that the story of Jesus brings to a resolution the story of Israel. Can you hear that in the language here? Can you, can you see how that fits in? Okay. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. Here you go. There's a resolution of Israel's story. As he promised. See, God is not a liar. He promises. And although it took you thousands of years, he's, he's, a, he's fulfilled his promise. Be patient. And as John was finishing his course, sorry, um, before the, 24, before his coming, before the, the, the Messiah's coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. I'm not the Messiah. No, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I'm not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, so he ties them together, and those among you who fear God, to us has been given the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor did they understand um, the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled, by, fulfilled these prophecies by condemning him. And though they found him, 
So, and though they found in him no guilt that was worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, see how he just ties, he ties everything together, like the story, the scriptures, everything, what was spoken about him, it all comes together in this sermon. They took him down, so, and when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from that tree and they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Here's the victory sound. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem and who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news, the gospel, that what God promised, what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus. Come on, you, you, you can't, it can't be more clear than this. What God promised to our fathers, God himself promised to our fathers over all that time all the painstaking history of israel god has now fulfilled that by raising jesus as also it is written in the second psalm you are my son today i have begotten you or become your father and as for the fact 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 that he raised him from the dead that's what it says here although they don't repeat themselves like i did as for the fact that they raised him from the that he raised him, sorry, that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to decay or corruption. He has spoken now in this way. So as for the fact that God has raised Jesus from the dead, no more to ever see death again, he has now spoken about this man, Jesus, his son, in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Bang, ties history together right there. There's your resolution, Israel. Bang, in this man, Jesus, who God raised from the dead to make him the Messiah King. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, was laid with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he, he whom God raised up, did not see corruption. Where is the victory in this thing? In the raising up of Jesus Christ. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, through his raising up, through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you with authority. It's declared and heralded with surety and authority. Proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. Which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. And now he goes and says this, and, and, and I love how he says this. He goes, look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. I know that I've presented something that I, 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 it can be controversial to our traditional styles of, of, of understanding what the gospel is. But it's, it's actually clear evidence through the scriptures. If you read, just go read through the teachings of the apostles. Even Paul in his writings, Paul, was not, Paul didn't preach another gospel to Jesus. He couldn't because Jesus was the gospel. And I've heard that argued. Well, Paul, Paul, Jesus couldn't preach the gospel because, because he hadn't died. I've heard that. What a load of absolute hogwash. Jesus preached himself as the giver of life. I am the bread of life. He preached himself. Therefore, he was preaching the gospel because he was the gospel. And so when Paul preached, Paul wasn't preaching a different gospel to Jesus. He was preaching about Jesus for all of who Jesus was. There was no contradiction in the gospel because there was no contradiction found in Christ himself, the Messiah. 
in our presentation of the gospel, make sure that we do not camp ourselves around an event which, 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 um, in, in which the Messiah King only but suffered. Because what we do in doing that is we actually weaken the victory of the resurrection from the dead and the ascension into heaven, seated on the throne until the time comes when God the Father will send him back to consummate the ages. If Jesus was not raised, he was not ascended. If he was not ascended, there is no kingdom of heaven. Full stop. And you and me are dead, friends, in our sin. And never shall we be saved unless he comes. And most Jews are still waiting for a Messiah to come because he didn't come in the package that they expected him to. And I've presented a message that's not in the package that you've probably heard it before. And so with, if we don't have ears to hear, what happens is we become, look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish because you're not believing. But I want to say to you, go and read through. I've said to you last week and the week before and every time I preach, my job is not to convince you. My job is to open up the texts and to show you the word of God. Your job is to search out that matter and find that truth to see if it is real and allow the Holy Spirit himself to resonate that in you. You are the hearer. You have to open your ears to hear. I'm the presenter of a truth. Jesus presented a truth and he moved on. And those who wanted to hear, who had ears to hear, followed after him because they were hungry for more. Now, I'm not going to give you more because I don't preach every week. But what you've got to do is go to the very word of God itself. And that is where you will find the more. Go and read from Acts chapter 1 right through to the end of Acts. Right through all of Paul's writings. Right through all of Peter's writings. And you will see the language is all around Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus as the anointed king. And I promise you right now, when we understand Jesus as the Messiah, it makes the plan of salvation, which isn't up there, the, the, the event that took place to transition you and me from a, a life of death into true eternal life is, becomes more robust. It becomes more powerful. It becomes more, um, yeah. It, it, it becomes more transformational. And as... As I, if I get the opportunity, which, which I'm hoping I will, and I think it's going to be good, is, is to do a, a, a series on the finished work of the cross. Listen to it with this. I guarantee you right now, after having heard this sermon first and then seeing the finished work of the cross, that finished work of the cross applied to your life is going to be far more powerful than what you've probably believed it to be before. Because a lot of the stuff that we cling around the cross on, it, God's already done that, and you should be already living in victory rather than you know, weeping at the feet of the cross asking for forgiveness on a daily basis. You know what I mean? It's, it's, quite a, it's, it's, it's quite a powerful message. When you understand the gospel, the cross becomes far more powerful than what Western Christianity has made it. I'm telling you right now, it's far more powerful because the blood of a Messiah has been shed. Not just, a, not just you know, this, this, this anorexic man half naked on a cross that looks like he came out of, you know, 70s, I always say 70s style Jesus, you know, meek and mild, clean white flowing robe, 70s style beard, you know, nasty you know, straightened, manicured hair, riding side saddle on a donkey. That's not who he is. He's not that person. He's not. He was a robust man who, who, who worked with his hands with his dad, you know what I mean? And who came forward and stood against the system of this world, the system of Rome, the system of Israel. And he stood there robustly, gave his life for you, but was raised back to life. And that's where the victory comes in. The victory came when Jesus popped out of the grave and said, hey, I'm here and never shall I die again. And then God whisks him up to heaven and the enemy goes, I'm done for. Satan knew when Jesus came back to life, his days were over. That's what we proclaim. That is when we proclaim the victory of the cross, we, we are proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus and him bringing us with him into that new resurrected life. Amen?
that's pretty much it. If you want to um, ask questions, Ben uh, said he's happy to answer them. In a sense, he actually gets paid to do it. And um, I'll be at work tomorrow. Don't come looking for me there. <laughs> Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that, that this whole message of, of Jesus, your son, of you as our father, of, of his coming to this, this planet to redeem us to what was so lost through, through Adam and Eve and you know, just the destruction we've seen on earth, there, there is just so much joy in this message. There is so much power in the fact that Jesus is your son, that he is the Messiah King, that, that his kingdom is established for all of eternity. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be taken from him. That we who have come into him and any human being that so chooses to take him as our king, that, that, that there is no death for us. We are, we are eternally alive as of the day that we are born again into this kingdom and we become your sons and daughters. And I pray, Father, that you know, this message resonates in our hearts. People would go and look it up and search it and, and look at the scriptures themselves. And as we do, not only will we become you know, just would see the, the, the glory of what you did for us uh, in that incredible painstaking um, event at the cross, but we would see the victory of the fact that you were raised back to life, that, that, that what man tried to do to you, they could not. What, what the enemy tried to plot against you, he could not succeed in. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that we would now begin, as Paul said, to learn to put behind us the past and learn to live in resurrected life because we are in resurrected life because you are, as you said, Jesus, the resurrection and the life. You are the resurrection and the life. You proclaimed yourself. You preached the gospel. You are the gospel. You are the good news to all of mankind. You're the good news to all of creation. And I pray that as we live our lives, we would live a life that is reflecting that. But when we present it, we present the good news. However it is, however we present it, wherever we present it, we present the good news to be you. You are that good news. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let me just quickly say this before we close and throw the, tell him about this, the, the forgiveness of his the, okay? life that is found in the Messiah. That's where it has to end because that's where the victory lies. The victory doesn't lie in the person being you know, forgiven of sin. The, the victory lies in the fact that Jesus is the king. This man now comes into a new kingdom. That's where he continues or the woman continues the journey that, that God intended for us to live from when he created Adam and Eve in the garden. Amen. And that's it. Thank you for listening for three weeks.